RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to the Lawfather Podcast. As always, we are here in Lawfather headquarters. And uh, as always, check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, doing uh, some fun things on there. And those of you who have been uh, following along, we did uh, Fact Friday this past Friday from Fenway Park in Boston. So uh, take a look. We got a couple others, a couple more weeks of Fact Friday uh, that you'll be seeing uh, from Boston, a couple from Fenway Park, and a couple or uh, one from around Boston. So uh, just kind of some interesting things there and want to jump into something pretty much right away here that really kind of big topic all over the place, right? So we hear about it here in Florida and um, being up in Boston, heard a lot about it as well on the news there. And that is the COVID vaccine. And that has really kind of permeated the entire conversation around COVID. Uh, Something around, I believe it's 94% of the hospitalizations right now in Florida as a result of COVID are from uh, people who are not vaccinated. So vaccines have become a major, major topic in this. And I guess uh, from a standpoint of not surprisingly, the topic has come up. Can an employer require employees to be vaccinated? And what kind of proof can that employer require? All right, so let's take a look at that first. We're going to kind of cover a myriad of different topics today, kind of a potpourri, if you will, of topics for the show today, Um, because none of them necessarily big enough to be an entire show in and of itself. So I want to cover a few things here. So first thing on vaccines, the major takeaway here for Florida, right, because Hey, look, our governor has said hey, we will not require vaccine passports uh, to the point where the state has initiated litigation against the cruise lines. Uh, those of you who have followed along that saga, just to take a brief aside, uh, the state of Florida won the first round. The uh, I believe it's the CDC who's on the other side of this uh, appealed. They won the appeal, and most recently, Florida appealed the appeal from the CDC. Yeah, follow that along. Uh, and won the appeal from the appeal, and now the CDC says that it is going to appeal the appeal from the appeal. So anyway, follow that that train of thought. When it's all said and done, maybe we'll break that down. Uh, no point in it now because it seems to be changing in a, on a fairly quickly basis. So how does the vaccines and employers and employees work here in Florida and the interplay, right? Because vaccine passports aren't allowed in Florida, right? You can't say, hey, you must show a vaccine to a vaccine card to enter a place. Uh, but you can put signs out that say, hey, uh, you know, if you want to come in our store, uh, if you're unvaccinated, you have to wear a mask or hey, a private store owner or a private business can go, we want everybody in a mask, right? So all these governmental mandates only really deal with government interaction. So whether it's the city or the county or the state, Right. Those mandates, those those governmental mandates only deal with, for example, government buildings. Now, unless they come through and say we are going to require everybody in a certain location to do this. Right. We're going to require everybody to wear a mask. Um, I, I suppose you could do it in the opposite and have something that says we require nobody to allow people to wear a mask. Um, 
I just that wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense. So I don't think you'd ever see anything like that. So private business can, because private business uh, doesn't have to follow governmental mandates along those lines, right? Um, just because there's nothing that says in the opposite. So if the governmental mandate was to wear a mask, private business is bound by that. Uh, but in the absence of something being put in the opposite, i.e. Um, private business does not have to. All right. So anyway, can... Your boss, can an employer require you to have the vaccine? Uh, the answer is yes. Okay. So in Florida, an employer can require you to have the vaccine. Now, what does that mean? And how does that really work in practice? Well, your boss can come up and ask you, have you had the vaccine? And if you say yes, that's it. End of story. If you say no, that's it. End of story. Right? Here's the thing. Your boss can't ask you. For proof. It's not allowed, right? So it's essentially the honor code here in Florida. So if, if your boss asks you, um, if you had the vaccine and you say yes, they can't ask follow-up question of, let me see your vaccination card. All right. Now to take that a step further, can an employer ask if you've had COVID? And the answer is, Kind of. <laughs> How? How do we get there? Oh, most things in the law, there's hardly anything that's concrete. And it, it gets into a gray area, if you will, because you have to be able to show that the reason for the question is job related. Okay. So play out an example. I'm, we have a law firm and you know we have several people in an office and we have uh, clients that come in and be, so we're, we're in and out with the general public. We meet a lot with doctors. Uh, so a lot of, a lot of different avenues. And I would say that for our purposes, that it would be job related. And I'm, I'm just using this as an example to kind of show you how it would work. The, the easy answer is healthcare workers. It absolutely is job related because while well, you're dealing in the healthcare industry, uh, for us, I would say that we do enough with the general public and oh, by the way, we work with the healthcare industry. So as a byproduct of that, it is job related because we don't want to infect somebody that we're meeting with in the healthcare community, right? So you could make an argument for that. You could also make the opposite argument that, okay, well then uh, just don't meet with the healthcare community or don't meet with the general public, do everything by Zoom. But you know, for us, that's not always necessarily reality. We have a lot of clients who may not be able to use Zoom, don't have uh, you know, the, the phones or the iPads or, or anything else that they could use Zoom on. Uh, and sometimes clients just like to meet us in person. So um, that is how that plays out. Now, can you, can you ask a, any kind of follow-up questions on, on whether or not you've had COVID and, and you know, maybe any of the effects? No, you can't. It's really just a one-off type question. Um, and we move to kind of the other part of it being an employee and employer is, can it be a condition of employment? Okay. Now here becomes the problem. This is, this is territory that we've never been in before. There is not anything that we can look back to as precedent for this. So some of these things from a legal analysis become a guess, right? We make our, our best judgment. We take a look at the facts. We take a look at what we know, and we try to apply things from a previous time to now. 
right? And, and that's how the law works. That's, that's a lot of what we do anyway. So this is not necessarily any different, but a lot of times there's some sort of precedent. The case law and the law has been around for years and years and years and years, right? So there's usually a lot to fall back on. The problem is with this, there's not really anything to fall back on to go, this situation is like that situation, okay? Um, so from a legal analysis standpoint, the prevailing thought is that, yes, an employer can require as a condition of employment to have the COVID vaccine, okay? So that is what that is. But as I mentioned, employer can't ask for any proof, can't require any kind of documentation to show that, yes, you have had the vaccine, okay? So that is the COVID vaccine portion, all right? And, and so takeaways from this, an employer can ask, an employer cannot ask for proof. That's it. It's really boils down to being that simple. So let's take a look as we talk about the vaccine. Um, Johnson and Johnson has made a COVID vaccine. Um, good for them because I think they're going to need to recoup some money because they have been hammered in settlements over the last uh, couple of months. So we've all heard about the opioid crisis. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say we all have, but it's been pretty big news. Uh, almost, I would say, not as big as COVID news, but for a while there, it was it was really the prevailing headlines. And what is the opioid crisis? Just to kind of take a step back, uh, let's look at what an opi opioid is, right? Because, it, you know, it, it may not be something that is kind of readily apparent to everybody um, as to what it is. Uh, heroin is an opioid. So let's start there. Let's start on the illegal side of things. And heroin's been around for forever and ever and ever. I believe it was used uh, in medicine way, 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 way back in the day. Um, but it, it, it slows you down, right? It's a, what's known as a depressant. Okay. Um, so there was back in the eighties, back in, uh, the new Jack city days, although I knew, I think new Jack city was, um, based on crack, but anyway, we digress from, we digress from where we're going with this. Heroin was big thing back in the 80s, early 90s, kind of went away. But then what we got for actual medicine is a derivative. So heroin is derived from opiates, right? So is hydrocodone, oxycodone, Percocet, uh, Dilaudid, uh, and there may be a couple others, but those are, those are the big ones, okay? And they are regular prescription drugs. And, and what we saw, and, and I spent six years in law enforcement, as those of you who have listened to the show have heard kind of over and over. But in, when I was in law enforcement, we didn't see heroin. We just didn't, at least here. I, I think I came across heroin one time, and I spent a lot of time working and arresting people for drugs. I just did, right? Mostly crack, a little bit of cocaine, uh, sometimes meth, uh, definitely a lot of weed back then. Weed was pretty highly illegal, okay? Uh, really different from where it is now. But anyway, uh, then prescription drugs kind of came onto the scene during that time period, and we would start seeing more and more arrests for people without a prescription. They'd have hydrocodone, oxycodone uh, without a prescription. They'd have them in their pockets, in a pill container with with uh, no prescription on it. And you know, it, was, it was pretty much as illegal as any of what you would think of as any street drug, right? And which they were taking them like street drugs. Most of the people would crush them up and snort them just like you would um, just a regular street drug. 
So as I mentioned, those those are opiates, uh, and then as we saw the the kind of crackdown on those opiates, heroin had a resurgence. Okay, so that brings us full circle to where we are today, and how does Johnson and Johnson fit into this? Well, there has been a proposed twenty six billion dollar settlement between a group of state attorney generals and Johnson and Johnson. Okay. Um, and, and it's not just Johnson and Johnson. There's a few other companies that are involved in this. Um, it, it's with companies that make and distribute opiates. Johnson and Johnson is just the, the biggest name in it. And it would also require them to stop selling opiates. So, you know, interesting there. So $26 billion. And if that wasn't bad enough, just before that, they had reached a $230 million settlement with the state of New York to resolve claims that its marketing helped fuel the opioid epidemic. All right. So Johnson and Johnson, man, I, I really hope that selling medications is a Apparently a big, big industry considering they're able to absorb a $230 million settlement and a $26 billion settlement. Lots and lots of money at stake here. Okay. So that's what's going on there. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's look at a listener question now. Uh, and, and this is a question that I get a lot. And this was one that came in through the law father line, law father at tampalawfather.com. And the question was, is should I hire an attorney for my personal injury case? Right? Hey, the insurance company called me and they made me an offer. Why shouldn't I take that money right now? Well, put it like this. There are simple statistics out there. There was actually a study that was done by insurance companies that shows those who hire an attorney walk away with more money than if they took the insurance company's first settlement amount, right? But let's take and break this down. Let's look at this from another perspective because it's not always just about the money, right? Let's look at it from a couple different pieces of it. Some of it's about the money and some of it is about the medical care. So one of the big keys on the medical side is that not every doctor will see you for your car crash case, right? I have a good friend who works in a, um, big doctors group here in Tampa, they won't see car crash cases. They just won't. Okay. Uh, if you have private insurance, they'll see you. Right. And most primary care physicians won't see you either. Right. So you're left with this, who do I go to? And the key is when you have an attorney, that attorney has a lot of relationships. Generally speaking, if you have a good attorney who does personal injury all the time, generally has a lot of relationships, which means there's a lot of choices out there for you as to who you see, right? And if you have a really good attorney, they're vetting those doctors and trying to find the best one. And I'll tell you the way I do it is if if I wouldn't go see the person myself personally, I wouldn't recommend the person. So everybody that, that we work with are people that I would go see if I had the need. Okay. So there's that aspect to it. Then there's the money aspect to it. And, and let's look at it for a second. Let's be honest with ourselves here. Insurance companies are not in this game to give you money, right? That is not their goal. Their goal is to give you as little money as possible because whatever money they give you comes out of their bottom line. And any money that they keep goes to showing 
Look at all the revenues we made. Look at how good we are, right? Think about it. Think about State Farm, okay? Who have we seen in State Farm commercials? Let's just take a little aside here and think about this for a second. Drake, Aaron Rodgers, um, I think Chris Paul, right? And those are the ones I can think of right off the top of my head that we've seen in State Farm commercials. Now, how often are you seeing State Farm commercials, right? And why, why does it matter? Why does it matter how often we're seeing these things, right? Well, here's the trickle-down effect. Those commercials all cost money. Paying those people who are in those commercials costs a lot of money, right? How do they get that money? Well, they get that money through premiums. Why? Well, they want to increase the amount of premium money they take in. What's premium money? It's the money that you pay in when you hire that insurance company, right? And if you're hiring State Farm because you saw the commercial with Chris Paul because you really like basketball or because you saw Drake and Aaron Rodgers in a commercial together, you go, I'm going to go hire State Farm and they're going to be my insurance company. Well, here's the deal. They need those premiums. Those premiums relate to their bottom line. The more premium money they get in, the, the more money they make, right? Now, on the flip side of it, they have all those expenses and what they're paying for advertising. They need to control their bottom line. They need to control their expenses. Well, what else is an expense line item? Your claim. So they want to pay you as little as possible. So they're going to, for lack of a better term, they're going to try to take advantage of you, especially if you don't have an attorney, because you're not going to necessarily know what the value of the case is. You're not going to necessarily know what pieces of the puzzle drive the value of that case up. You're not necessarily going to know this, and I'm going to expose a big secret here, maybe, okay? The insurance companies, for the most part, especially the big ones, your State Farms, Geico's, Progressive's, all states, they take your information and they run it through a computer system. And that computer system spits out a number of your case value, okay? And that's it. That's what that adjuster has to work with. A lot of times, there is no more human element to determine the value of a case. Now, where does that all change? The moment you file a lawsuit on the case, that computer system goes away. So how it works is they take all these claims that are from what we call pre-suits, so that are resolved before a lawsuit is filed, okay, before we sue somebody. They put all that data into these computers, and it gives them an average. So if you have uh, cases that are being settled for less than the full value of them, that drives the average down, okay? When you get a bigger result, it drives the average up. Well, they don't include the litigation cases because they generally resolve for higher dollar amounts. There's usually more human input in them because it moves to an adjuster who actually has the authority to have human interaction with the file. Okay. So that said, you move up into litigation. What that tells us is there are higher average values, right? But does that mean every case needs to be litigated and that you sue somebody? No, it doesn't. Okay. But knowing when to do it is why you hire an attorney. All right. So those are the few reasons why all right. Got a little long winded on that, but that is why uh, if you want more information on that, please let me know. I'm always happy to talk to anybody listening to this show. Uh, it's, it's something that I, I really do enjoy uh, having the time and the ability to do. That is the law father show for today. As always, check us out on social media. Check out all the other shows on Radio Influence. Check out my guy, DJ Eakin and Ian Beckles. I know Ian has a couple of shows on here. And a big thank you for, to Jason for always 
being here and producing the show. Lawfather Headquarters. Lawfather out. <laughs>